Oh my god. That was unfucking hinged. There is a time and a place for Lord of the Rings. I feel like an out of office email is not it. Oh my god. Welcome to Tencent Takes, the show where we fight for our right for equality. Oh. <laughs> One issue at a time. My name is Mike Thompson, and I am joined by my co-host, the furious Femazon herself, Jessica Frazier. Yes, that is an amazing name. I shall <laughs> proudly bear that name. <laughs> thought you might like it. How are you doing oh tonight? Oh my gosh. I'm, shoot, I'm great. How are you? Awesome. I can't complain. You know, it's been a, it's been a good day. So if you are new to the show, our main episodes drop every other week and provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history. But today is one of our Dollar Bin Discoveries mini episodes that we do in between those deep dives. Basically, we spend a lot of time rooting through Dollar Bins at local shops, looking for interesting stuff. And while a lot of those issues that we find are fun and weird, they may not be enough for us to do a deep dive on, but that's only at the moment. We always reserve the right to come back and change our mind later. Each episode features both of us talking about one random issue we came across in the dollar bins, one that fits a theme that one of us chose. Tonight, it's my theme, which is strong, in quotes, female characters. And so we talk about what issue it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. Basically, these are mini episodes that are meant to provide you with some weekly content between our more in-depth discussions about the weirder, more interesting moments of comic book history. So, Jessica, tell me about your strong female character comic. What if I was just like, no, thank you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you're being the strongest female character. <laughs> I just walk off scene. <laughs> the camera follows me instead. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about oh. this. <laughs> well, I did, in fact, read something. I read oh, Electra, Root of Evil, Volume 1, Issue Number 3. This was published by Marvel Select in May of 1995, and it was written hmm. by friend of the pod, D.G. Chichester. Hey! What's up, Dan? Penciled by Scott McDaniel, inked by Hector Colazzo, colored by Christy Scheel, separated by Heroic Age. Lettered by Bill Oakley, designed by Don Geiger, assistant editor was Matt Idelson, and editor was Ralph Macchio. Editor-in-chief was Mark Gruenwald. So we start off seeing a young Electra playing innocently with her dog, Aggie. Agamemnon, as it were. As they are playing, she calls for Aggie to come back as he's in a place where the rocks are really loose and she's worried about him falling. But to her shock, she comes around the corner to see that Aggie has been violently murdered by a strange group of men who then start threatening her. It's immediate. Me? It's wow. immediate. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> like, damn, just... God ooh, damn, just Dan. starting off at 11. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, God, the dog thing felt real personal. I mean, it was real personal. Man. So this group of men start threatening her, stating that her father was going to be devastated at what they were going to do to her. However, Aww. out of the shadows comes a man taking out the group of men and delivering Electra back to her worried family who had been told of the kidnapping. So we find out that the man who had saved her was her older brother, and that sparks a fire under Electra to grow up to be a talented fighter like him. 
So we then move to Electra in present day, where she is fighting a foe called Snake Root. We see her and her team battling the villain as she tries to get her father to safety because his life was being threatened this time. We also see that the team is losing members as they fight. We again go back in time to see Electra in training, how she was made to go through violent trials to learn her art to be accepted into the group that would mold her into what she would become. We also show that there's some history between Electra and the villain she now fights. As she lives her life in the present, we see that her father is again in danger, with his friends and associates being the next victim of Snake Root. We end the issue with Electra vowing to find and destroy Snake Root. Uh, man. Yeah, it was a lot, though. Like, <laughs> first of all, I'm like shaking my head throughout this entire description because it just sounds unhinged. But like, yep, 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 yep. I feel like I know the name Snake Root, like it's associated with the hand. I think it's like it's a ninja style villain, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. This is all very martial artsy, this whole thing. Which I mean, that was that was very much Daredevil in the 80s and 90s was it tied into that whole kind of like uh, fascination with the East and and ninjas in particular. Yeah. Like I could have gone way more in depth about like you know, the group that she was with and da 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 da. And like, it just was like, this seems too like in the weeds. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, overall the issue, like it, it was full of action. It, I mean, I, I liked it overall. It was printed on really nice, heavy, shiny paper, which made I the love colors it when they do really that. pop. Oh, even close to 30 years later. Like yeah. real pop. That was a thing was that in the, the eighties and nineties, they started doing kind of like more prestige comics. And so yeah. it's really interesting because we've talked about a number of issues where mm-hmm. we're like, they're like kind of muddy now and they haven't like aged right. terribly. with kind of cheap pulpy paper. They're faded. Yeah, exactly. And then every now and then you get like kind of a more prestige comic and you're just like, Oh damn, this still looks like brand spanking new. Exactly. Oh yeah. It, it looked real nice. And I just found it like loose in the dollar bins. I don't even think it had a a cover on it. So it's like, okay, cool. Mm. So I liked that even though the issue, like even though this was issue number three, I was able to hop right into the story. And I didn't feel like I was missing too much of the plot. I was able to pick things up along the way as I was reading really easily. Yeah. I like the way that it was written, how it was kind of going back and forth from past to present so we could really understand the underlying motivations for Lecter's actions, because otherwise it would have seemed super chaotic. Right. And all in all, I would absolutely recommend this comic. And, you know, I'd love to seek out more of this to read. I'm sure I'll come across more of them in the dollar bins at some point. That sounds great. Yeah. Well, what about you? Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) So... (laughs) Uh, I, <laughs> I picked up Valeria the She-Bat, which, You're uh, already chuckling so hard. Uh, uh, you're going to understand why once I'm finished describing this man. Okay. <laughs> okay. This was published in May, 1993 by Continuity Comics, which we discussed a bit last year for our Crazy Man episode. Valeria was a character who first appeared a month earlier in an issue of hybrids, which was, I don't know, something about like a team of people whose DNA had been spliced with aliens or something, whatever. Valeria is a human slash bat woman who has things like claws on her hands and wings on her bat, but she's also sexy. She doesn't have like the bat nose or anything like that. And they, Oh man, I was really hoping for the bat nose. I know. 
they made a point of making her look like a really hot human lady who then has some animal anatomy accessorizing her look. So it's like, don't worry, she's part bat, but she's still someone that you can smooch. Like, you're just like, exactly. Like, I don't know how I feel about this guy. "Mm." (laughs) The issue's story and art was done by Neil Adams, which is in keeping with Continuity Comics. Additional writing was handled by Peter Stone. Lettering was by Jade Mode. And coloring was by Corey. No other name than that. The Hmm. first page begins in an unidentified city where Valeria is randomly watching a family walking at night. The family is apparently laughing and talking about a Robin Williams movie. And then the ground immediately starts to shake violently. Valeria's internal monologue notes how she knows it's not actually an earthquake. It's something more dire. And she leaps into action. We get an admittedly gorgeous two page spread with Valeria soaring down towards the street in an outfit that looks like it belongs in a much more adult book than this. Like it's a lot of skin tight leather with a lot of flesh showing. I'm just saying Mm. it doesn't look that aerodynamic. (laughs) Like, Oh, I'm just saying, um, Anyway, the family is suddenly being menaced by a group of, like, man-bats? Like, why they came out of the ground, I don't know. It's not important. They're just there. What is important is they slash up the dad's face, mock the little girl, and then they take the little girl and throw her across a parking lot, and she, like, bounces off a car hood, and Valeria manages to catch her and <laughs> rescue her. She and then bounces she bounces can... off the car hood? It's like, you know, like skipping a stone across the surface of a pond. God. As... Whatever. It's... <laughs> <laughs> the the important thing is that the child is a prop and Valeria was able oh, to save her. That's the important perfect. thing. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Valeria then confronts the monsters. We get some posturing about how, I don't know, how they're going to take each other down. And then admittedly some pretty cool fight scenes before Valeria learns the man bats were robbing people for money. They reveal they're acting on orders of their master, Lith Casti which is a name that stops Valeria cold in her tracks. And then the story immediately cuts to a nebulous later where there's a party in this like very weird manner. It place looks like it's just like an estate out of like the French countryside, but the building itself looks like something out of 70s sci-fi with like this big dome like structure and open air decks that go all the way through the building. It's really cool looking admittedly. And the party is apparently attended by like the creme de la creme of society a limo pulls up and outsteps Valeria in her fully human form. Apparently she's a supermodel. She's in this like really gorgeous flowing dress and all these people are like, is. Oh, she came. Oh, I didn't know she was going to be here. And they're talking about like how she's like on the cover of a magazine, etc. The party is being thrown by Valeria's brother, Rilla, who looks honestly like, you know, Hank McCoy, AKA beast from X-Men before he got his fur. Like okay. he is, <laughs> He is in a tuxedo, but he has a baseball hat on backwards. <laughs> it's a look. Oh my God. The, the two kind of rib each other for a minute. And then Valeria pulls him aside and she asks him if he remembers Lith Casty. And then we get this like extended flashback about how he and some other were animal people rescued Valeria from this villain who's known as the Demon Bat. It's a really long sequence, but here are the highlights. Lith Casty was basically trying to forcibly breed with Valeria. Rilla and his squad fought through an army of bat people underground to save his sister. At one point, they nearly fight some dinosaurs, but are rescued by, quote, a useless god named Umphal. Like, based on the character design everything, I think he was basically a send-up to the new gods characters from DC Comics. And then Rilla 
seemingly kills Lith Casty just before he is about to rape Valeria. And then Rilla Ooh. snaps out of this flashback and he drops his glass when Valeria tells her brother that the villain is back to be continued. Ah, yeah, Your face. <laughs> like, that, that is pretty much what I was feeling while I was reading this. It's wild. Ugh. Wow. Fun. Yeah. This issue, though, comes with a transparent acetate cover, which I kind of love because that that's what. That's what continuity was doing was they were just leaning real hard into gimmicks to sell their comics. And then according to a bunch of online sources, the acetate edition was actually released as a free incentive comic available to all retailers ordering through continuity comics for the death watch 2000 crossover series that they did. Mm. It was later solicited through diamond distribution with a $10 price tag and like adjusting for inflation Diamond would have been asking people for $21.25 if they were trying to sell this today. What? Like, I got to be honest, a dollar feels like the right price for this comic. (laughs) (laughs) The only reason I feel good about that is because it's got this dumb gimmick cover. And I will note that the art is great. It's, you know, Neil Adams. So I'd be shocked if it wasn't great. But this is like, it's just, it's frantic nonsense. It feels very clumsy and ham-fisted by introducing these characters in ways that don't feel terribly organic. I also don't like how they basically were using a bunch of like potential sexual violence against the main character. And she is also very sexualized in a way that feels gross during those rescue Mm. scenes where it's like the demon bat rips off part of her outfit and she's still partially covered, but like you can see the under boobs poking out. It's uh, it's not great. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the weird thing about this series is that you can get issues one and there's a bunch of variants for it and people are asking way too much money. There's no way I'm paying that. But right. you can get issue one or you can get issue five and that's it. Huh. Apparently they were going to solicit a couple of issues with a crossover with Spawn and then that didn't work out. And so what they did was they just like basically canceled the issues and then repurposed a lot of the art from those issues to do issue five. I don't own it i can't talk about it much other than that but it's just like what the fuck was going on jeez louise yeah oh that really truly is all over the place no wonder you gave me that intro (laughs) but uh but she's she's strong she like at one point embeds her hand in a man bat's chest and picks him up holding him by the chest with her fingers so i don't know she's strong i guess literally (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right. Well, on that note, I think that is it for us today. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with another Dollar Bin Discovery. And in between that, we will have another longer deep dive. And so until then, stay safe out there and we will see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website. This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson, written by Mike Thompson and edited by Jessica Frazier. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan McDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who you can find at lookmomdraws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to tencenttakes.com or shoot an email to tencenttakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or now. The official podcast account is Tencent Takes, all one word. 
Jessica is Jessica Witha, and Jessica spelled with a K. And Mike is Van Sau, B-A-N-S-A-U. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky, and Hive. A full list of our socials will be listed in the show notes. You can also send us mail now. We are at P.O. Box 940 in Pengrove, California, 94951. And Pengrove is spelled P-E-N-N-G-R-O-V-E. Send us stuff. (laughs) If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shops.